0: Let's get it going, people. Week 10 of the NFL season has wrapped up, and that means that week 10 of the one and only All 32 Podcasts, wearewegoradio.com's weekly foray into wrapping up the NFL season, the NFL week, and uh, just a great way to get yourself going For a new week of NFL speculation and news, this is your man Kyle Means. And with me on the line is the defeated one. He's strong. He's keeping his head high, but he he was struck down this week mightily by yours truly in fantasy football. 139-115 was the final, I believe. And I stand victorious. Yet, uh, you know. Yet, uh, I, I'm, I'm victorious. Yet, I'm. 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 St- st- I can't. I can't say. I don't. I don't even know the word. But i, I I'm. I'm beyond words. You know, because I am that great, and I, I do stand uh, triumphant here this week over Mr. Ryan Bukovetsky. But. He is my partner in this show, so I will let him off the hook for now. But I, I just wanted to let him know that I am his better this week. So, um, Ryan.
1: B.S. Um, B.S. <laughs> B.S. all the way around. That was that classic win one out of ten, lose nine out of ten otherwise.
0: I don't think BS. so good, sir.
1: I, I invoke the card of B.S. I do top of it too, I was uh uh looking forward to potentially taking the lead in our game picks, but you and I continue to stay dead in uh in our pursuit.
0: Yeah, we are of, uh, setting the pace
1: different football gambling trophies.
0: Yeah, we are setting the pace indeed in in our in our group activities when it comes to uh you know. Fantasy and and games game picking on Dean Davis, so I think you know I think it's it's only right because like I said this is one of the most insightful and uh, you know just overall one of the best NFL shows that you can listen to online. So you know if you if if you really want to know what's going on and get good uh, insightful NFL content, you need to stick with me and Ryan because. Our, our results prove it every week, you know, whether we're picking games or picking fantasy, uh, you know, results, you know, we got you, but I think you should, I, I I really, I really did pull one out of the hat. I will admit that because I got Danny Dimes off the bench and that was really a
1: bunch of my guys on by and of
0: course, Oh, a bunch of mine was on by too. That's why I had to get Danny Dimes, but but yeah, it, this was a this was. We'll go into this when we start with the scores. There was a, yeah a lot of teams. This was probably the biggest bye week of the year, I would guess, because it was like six teams on bye, and that affected a lot of stuff like fantasy. But you know, yeah, it, it, and
1: my survivor pool didn't go
0: great either. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of different st- stories uh, mirroring ours, but. uh you know, it was, it was it was fun to be able to pull out a win. I kind of needed it a little more than you in regards to the fantasy, but um, you know, it's 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 all good. You know, we'll maybe we'll see each other again in the playoffs. That's
1: all that matters at this point, right?
0: Just exactly. Get in. And you know, that's that's I think a lot of a big theme this week, in in a very similar fashion, is a lot of teams staving off. You know, uh, playoff you know uh, irrelevancy or play or downright playoff uh, death. You know, when you look at the Bears, you look at uh, Cleveland, you look at the continuing uh, you know the, the continuing uh, streak that Pittsburgh has put itself on, and uh, you know you could you could look at a team too like Tennessee beating Kansas Kansas City like a lot of teams that. That didn't have very good, uh, you know, outlooks at the moment coming into the week. Did though they did something to give themselves a little more life coming out of the week, you know? But uh, it's
1: certainly uh upset week at the minimum. Where yeah, it just shows, uh, a lot of teams are still going to be playing hard all the way through the end. Even they're really not going to be playoff teams, like a team like the Titans, I doubt that they'll get in. But I guess there's a shot, and it's definitely win shot, but uh, the point is they're not going to be a walkover, and there, there doesn't seem to be a ton of walkover teams, especially when you see a uh, Dolphins beating the Colts, even though Brian Hoyer was a quarterback. Just, it seems like in the NFL there's about as much parity as there ever has been, especially this year with all the starting quarterbacks. Yeah, th-
0: yeah, yeah, that's definitely the changing of quarterbacks is definitely... Figured out highly into into the parody that's going on. And, yeah, this is just what – it's become one of those classic seasons where a lot of the league is meeting at the middle and, and and it's really setting it up for a way that I'm sure the league may prefer where, you know, going into Thanksgiving and beyond, half of the league is, is going – at least half of the league is going to be like, oh, uh, we're, we're figuring into the playoff hunt. So you know it's going to be even uh,
1: saw the Bears Kyle in that Monday Night game in the graphic in the hunt right that... talking about being them dead as door but uh, I guess officially they are in the hunt with Air Force
0: exactly if you see yourself on that graphic then you are you are still there you are still uh, you know you're still able to give yourself hope and you know. I, you know, I, maybe
1: I c- it's uh, ironic that we have Al Michaels who called the miracle calling the Bears game this Sunday. Maybe that's just a the away. Of that.
0: Very much so. Very much so. It could be. It could be. You talk about Al Michaels, though, about 10 or so years ago, maybe 15 now at this point, time flies, but he would have called the game that happened on Monday. And no, but no, that's that's changed, of course. You know, and it wasn't—it wasn't the same. You know, Joe Tessitore, I do like, but you know, Booger McFarland, a lot of people I'm can take it. I'm not a
1: test guy.
0: I'm not a test guy. I figured that out yesterday. Not a test guy. Well, well I, I, I might ask you about that in a second, but I'm, let me let me finish with my intro. But you know, that they are the Monday Night guys now, and I think you know it's it's obvious for anybody who has watched Monday Night Football for years now that. It's been downgraded. You know, Sunday night football is the showcase now for the league each week. And Thursday nights have even become better, I think, since Fox became the main channel for it. But, uh, you know, Mondays can be rough. There could be some downright dog games on Monday nights, you know, that you really don't want to pay attention to at all. There's already been a couple this week, this year, I would argue. But that last night's game was awesome, and it was it was one of the best games, regular season games we've had in quite a while. And and it was it's definitely the best. probably definitely the best game we could say this year. It was uh, San Francisco and Seattle, the top two teams in the NFC West, and we're gonna start off our all thirty two, uh, recapping uh, with that game and with the NFC West. And uh, you know, but but yeah, before we go into that, though, why why well you said it changed last night. What what got you down on Tesla? Changed, tool? But
1: I made up my mind officially. I, I was kind of on the fence about Joe. Definitely didn't like Jason Wynn. Glad he got him out of the booth. I liked Booger last year, but you know, I kind of like Booker as a three-man booth. I don't know if I like him as much with uh just him and Joe. But
0: Booger should be like a Tony Saragusa type.
1: I agree. Yeah. I, I think they gotta redo that booth a little bit when it comes to the color and I definitely keep Booger, but maybe more towards what he was doing versus what he's doing now. But with Tess, you know, I like his energy. I gotta give him credit. He does build up energy. Yeah. Really brings it with the drama. But I think he just kind of placates a little too much for my team. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's the extra context that doesn't need to be said. Sometimes he tries to make too much drama that's not really there. I love, like, Al Michaels. He he brings the energy. He he will play up the moment, but he, it's all organic. Nothing is really created by Al. Maybe if there's, like, a blowout and, hey, look, a touchdown, if, if we get a couple scores. But Al is not really that type to really play down that avenue. And I feel like Joe does that a lot too much. And I think that that stuff just starts turning me off way more than anything else. And that's why I think I'm I'm on the other side with
0: Joe. I can see what you're saying on that one. And see, a lot of a lot of what my opinion on Testator does come from is is watching him in other sports prior to the in
1: college a lot.
0: Yeah, he did college a lot and he did he did boxing a lot, which Cause I'm a boxing guy and I really like him on boxing. And those are two sports I think where his, his tone is sort of ideal. And so it is, it is, a, it is a, I, w- I agree with you. It is a switch up from what you would get with a Al Michaels, a more classic guy or, you know, like, you know, the, the type of guys we grew up with, you know, like, uh, you know, Pat, like Pat Summerall and, you know, you know people like the classic football type of play-by-play guys but you know I, I i don't mind given the fact that like monday night is what it is now and like i said a lot of the games can be dogs i don't mind him having bringing that extra energy for the most part and like yeah, I, I said can understand why they need it sometimes
1: yeah it some of the worst matchups of the weekend somehow
0: yeah yeah because because uh, it is like, for him, it is like, in a lot of ways, like when he used to call the second or third best SEC game of the week or something like that. Like, you got to bring a little something extra in those cases.
1: And I got no problem with that. I, I would just say the only thing then I w- would give the testator as a producer advice, when it's not that type of game, like you had last night, don't try to be extra. Just let that baby breathe and just call that thing.
0: That's good that's good advice. I I agree with you on that, man. I do agree with you on that. I d I didn't I I I may have to watch, you know, go over the game a more if, if a little bit more if I look at some clips or something. And, Cause I I was more immersed in the game itself and I didn't pay as much to see that was like a game like Yet Last Nights is one where I'm not I'm gonna phase out the announcer a little more than typical anyway. But yeah, I could see I can see how that could have been he could have been more you know, given his natural style I could have been more intrusive on a game like you say that didn't really need it so yeah that's definitely I definitely agree with you on that but you know as for the game you know it winds up being it goes all the way down to the very end of overtime 27 24 you had a you had that uh last second kick by Seattle you had the the horribly missed kick by the replacement guy for San Francisco, the Illinois uh, product, you know, got to feel bad for him, but in, but that was after he made the clutch kick at the end, uh, you no, know, towards the end of regulation. So this, I mean, this was just a game that had a little bit of everything, you know. But before we got on, you know, Ryan, you you, you made the compare sort of a comparison to the game last year, the big hyped game, uh, the uh, Kansas City and and Los Angeles Rams game, and that was a complete shootout, a great, you know, uh, you know, showcase of offense of modern NFL offense, you know. But it also, you know, when you look at the way that the season ended with all those defensive performances, especially in the Super Bowl, where less and less scoring was being done, I think that game last year between L.A. and Kansas City looked more like an outlier than than it was. You know, at the time, a lot of people were covering it as like, "Oh, this is the beginning of the future of the NFL," but it, it's really not. And I think when you look at what the NFL can be ideally, when when you have that push and pull, that you know, that resistance that comes from a, a professional defense against a professional offense. You know, you can have that resistance, but you also still have the the in the end, the offense making just enough plays to win. You know, that's the type of stuff that compels me most about professional football. And when you have a great uh contest like last night's, you know, that's the stuff that a little bit more than even that that great shootout type of stuff that you can get with a fifty something, fifty something game. You know, I'd rather, like I so I'd rather prefer a game like last night's where you have that push and pull and, you know, you know, sometimes you may even have some lucky stuff thrown into it or some, unfortunately, you may have some referee stuff involved in it. But it's just, I think like it, it mixes up the compelling elements in a way that I think is, like I say, is more uh, striking for me than just, you know, uh, that sort of pinball-esque. Action that you got when you know you got even when you have even when the quarterbacks are great and they could just throw it all over the field, you know. Like I say, it's more like a pinball thing to me than what you saw yesterday, which was very much a showcase of physicality and skill, along with you know, uh, no, just like say the 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 greater athleticism as well.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, Kyle. I completely agree. I definitely liked last year's game, it was fun. I and mean, it's fun as like an outlier, like when you see the Bears in like whatever the twenties beat uh, Washington Washington seventy three zero or whatever that game was. But it's fun to see some of that like, dang, they can get up there like NBA scores almost and uh, Yeah yeah. I'm glad when you see that, but it's better as an outlier. I, I liked the game yesterday too, because you had A lot of defense, a lot of offense, a lot of skill, like you talked about. The coaching was phenomenal. I mean, both sides. What a job by, you know, just getting guys in a position to succeed. There were so many points in that game where it looked like San Fran was going to blow out Seattle or Seattle was going to blow out San Fran. It was just like these two teams almost were on the brink for both good and bad at so many different spots, and it was, coaching and and the leadership that they have and a lot of guys that have been there done that type thing for both sides and when you have some of that and maybe more so on Seattle and that's why they stayed a little bit more composed towards the end of the game but when you have uh, all those factors going at it it's like you said it's really just a showcase of what the entire game is versus last year's game where it's just purely offense and Kyle one thing I wanted to ask you though I thought the officials man They had a bad night, especially when they were calling flags against Seattle. I I thought Seattle got a lot of questionable calls called against them. And I didn't really see many on the other side for the 49ers. I I thought Seattle was so impressive that they could even overcome some of those, you know, personal fouls and roughing the quarterback that were very, very questionable. And I I was surprised at how many got called.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, man. It was. It was it was rough, man, and and this is really indicative of what we've seen too much with NFL, uh, you know, of officials. You know, really, you could probably say over the past couple of years, but definitely this year, you have so many, especially like roughing the passers, and you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, putting hands on receivers, type of, you know, stuff like, you know, uh pass interference and stuff like that that they just don't. They just seem to be reaching so much with a lot of these calls, and it, it, you know, it, uh, thankfully, they, it, it was nothing that uh, affected the game like the famous call in New Orleans in the NFC Championship. But they they keep it seems like they keep trying to do something yeah, to mess I, I up I felt a game.
1: Like that crew was trying to get close. Yeah, it was like a golf shot. Like let me just see if I can get a little bit closer than uh, what they did last year
0: in the NFC Championship. Yeah, they got to be some type of reform eventually. Like, they got to look at better ways to, to like say, to keep the referees from affecting these games because, like, there's going to come a time again where they're going to do something really bad and it's just going to really mess up, you know, maybe even a whole season, let alone a game, you know, that really affected in a way that the league doesn't want. But, you know, thankfully yesterday, the, the teams pretty much settled out on their own. So,
1: Yeah, it was uh, just a, a great, great game, especially with the storyline of MVP-Ross against that tremendous yeah. defense. Yeah. I don't think either side really disappointed much. I was surprised at how great Seattle's defense looked, but uh, you know they put a lot of talent in that defense, spent a lot of resources. So uh, it was great to see Jadavian Clowney play, and that whole group play as well as they did. They really answered the call, and now we have no more unbeaten in the league.
0: Full parity. Yes, again the the those those old Dolphins can pop their bottles again, and uh, you know they're <laughs> gonna beat that record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it's yeah, yeah. It was it was a great game, and and I'm I'm, I'm glad that you know a little bit of my projection. Uh, you know, came through with Seattle, and that they they again, like you said, with the defense sort of building itself back up again. And you know, you no, know, we we got what we could expect from Russell in regards to his you know uh, amazing ability to extend plays and create plays, and you know just made he you know he just made those drives, those key drives at the end. Aside for that that interception. You know, because you know, it looked like Seattle should have won that one in in regulation, but you know, they that uh, Dre Greenlaw just made a nice play there uh, on that interception and and almost returned it back and won won it for San Francisco in regulation. But uh, there was just just high drama out there in San Francisco. Both of those teams are awesome, and I'm looking forward to seeing both of them in the in the playoffs. It looks like it's going to be yeah. the case. If that's the taste of the playoffs. Boy, it's going to be a great year yeah definitely definitely and before we before we keep moving uh with the recaps i want i want to shout out the other two uh primarily uh uh national nationally covered games this week too cuz i you know and, and looking at the scores i got them in front of me now like though the Dallas Minnesota game yeah. which was a four point game and the the Packers Panthers game which was a you know eight point game a little a little bit more of a spread there but it still was pretty had its compelling elements as well like this was probably as good of a three game set of national games as we've had all year and you can go back Kyle,
1: I thought uh, you were gonna throw in
0: the Thursday night game. I, I was yeah I was about to you jump in. yeah that Thursday game was even more t- tight. That was like the tightest outside of Monday's game. That was the, the tightest game of the week.
1: Yeah, and a lot of playoff implications, just like really all the national games you mentioned. uh Yeah, it was it was high drama. I mean, man, you can pick your photo finish, basically.
0: Yeah, this was, this was a heck of a week, actually, when you look at... Uh, it's good,
1: because when you get into November, you want to start seeing type of games, tone-setting games. Like a year ago, with the Bears we were talking about them beating the Lions who were a decent team and then playing the Rams and it was those statement kind of ish games that propelled them to December and started talking about playoff hope and grandeur
0: yeah yeah and speaking of those Rams who you know we're going to speak a lot about this week as they prepare for the Bears on Sunday night uh you know as, as we look at the rest of the the NFC West the Rams uh, fell to the Steelers 17-12 on, third, uh, on Sunday and uh, you know definitely a tough loss for them uh, that sets you know sets up I guess their storyline for this week would have to be you know a little bit of a you know if not desperation just a, a definitely an, an increased urgency for them to want to win this week Uh, you know on the national on the national television platform so we'll talk like I said we'll talk a little a bit about that uh this week uh you know coming up on Big necessities where we break down the upcoming game as well and um but also in the the remaining game in the West the Cardinals falling to the Buccaneers 30 to 27 out in Tampa Bay that was a tight that was a another competitive game for the Cardinals but uh they could just come up a bit short but um, you know, looking at you know, I guess a, a best and a worst in the division this week uh, for the West. Like you know, like we've been saying all year, the West has been an, an impressive division. They've impressed us, possibly the most competitive division in the, in the NFL. And uh, you know, I don't know if there's you could necessarily pick out a worse from from the West this week because the Cardinals probably doing what you can expect them to do. I guess maybe the Rams are disappointing. Yeah, yeah, I but I didn't I didn't I picked Pittsburgh to win all week, so you know, I, I they did what I kind of expected them to do. And I guess you no, know, if if Ryan if you want to go into it, I guess with the Rams though, what has to be disappointing is the fact that they're scoring 12 points. This offense yeah you know, yeah, McVay and all this offensive hype and everything that surrounds this team for a couple of years now, they just seem to really have bottomed out in a way that that is almost beyond compare if you, if you didn't have the Bears also in the league, you know.
1: Yeah, fitting that they'll play each other. But, yeah, I, I don't think it's just that they lost to Pittsburgh. I just think it's when you get the output that their defense gave and as you've talked about, how this offense has regressed, you know, beyond the Bears because this was an elite offense. This wasn't just some whatever offense that stopped scoring halfway through the year like the Bears did a year ago. I mean, this was an offense that basically propelled their team to the Super Bowl, and it seemingly all because of Todd Gurley. Without that threat of the run game, just their formations are all based on the run being established so that they can run play action and various uh, passing uh, route combinations out of the same formation that it looks like a run. And it's so hard to plan for a creative mind like Sean McVay when you're already putting so much resources into stopping a run game. And now you have whatever left to try to stop a very complex, intricate passing. But without that run game, it's all come crumbling down for them basically. And I don't know, what the fix is. Maybe they got to go out and get another running back. Maybe they got to try to figure out moving away from Todd Early because clearly there's got to be something wrong with that leg. And it's a terrible story in that case. Uh, he's certainly a great young man and a player. He's got arthritis in that knee and that would just be such a terrible blow to the league in general, but overall I think how the Rams have kind of struggled of late, especially in that Pittsburgh game where they couldn't get anything going at all offensively, and they had multiple chances, especially late in that game, to at least force overtime or steal a victory, and it just looked like that offense couldn't move the ball at
0: all. Yeah, it's interesting you talk about, you know, Gurley actually didn't have that bad of a game, but they he only had 12 carries. He, he averaged six yards of carry, but he only had 12 carries, you know, pretty much you could guess because – they can't. They don't want to overwork him, and um, you know it's interesting. You talk about them probably needing another back because when you think about last year, if they don't, if they don't get C.J. Anderson, they probably don't even make the Super Bowl. So yeah. you know they needed that last year, and they didn't re- you know they lose him, the you know, C.J., and they come back with Gurley, who is no no more he- no more healthy than he was at the end of last year. And, and this, you know, we're seeing how much it affects them, you know, that there's a lack of balance in their offense and they, they can't, you know, they really need the pass game to, still to still even get them the in the position to score. The too.
1: Just the fear of Todd Gurley running all over you. They don't
0: have yeah. the intimidation factor just gone. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and I definitely, you know, when you look at a team like the Steelers who have been performing so much better throughout their four-game winning streak, you know, and performing with, you know, especially on defense with more aggression and, you know, more playmaking ability. Minka Fitzpatrick has been awesome in that defensive backfield. Like, you know, they I just... yeah,
1: really
0: like them. Yeah. They're, they're, we'll talk more about them when we get to the AFC North, but they're looking like a real competitor now. and. And it's another one of those things that you get in the league, where you have two teams come out of a of a game with the same record. Both of these teams are five and four, but you know their their whole outlooks just look completely different. And it's it's wild yeah. how you can get that in in the NFL so often throughout the year.
1: But for both of those fan bases, you just gotta you just gotta stay tough because I mean, look at us here in Chicago. Where we talk about that. I guess we're technically in the hunt, especially if they win this Sunday. And it seems like just in the NFL, things can just turn just on a dime. We thought Steelers were done, especially after their horrible first month, month and a half, and now they look like a probable playoff team. It's just it's amazing how fast. Is.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And when you look at the Bears, if they do win, if they win on Sunday – and the Rams and of course lose, they'll that'll be two more teams with matching records at five and five. But though, but again, the outlooks would be completely different. But uh, you know, look, let's let's go right, let's go right into the NFC North. You know, let's not waste time there. And uh, you know, of course, for us, the big story this week is the Bears over uh overcoming in every sense of that word, 20 to 13, the win there here. Uh when they're in soldier field and um you know like i say just uh it, it, like you like you wrote you know you can read uh ryan's recap is three and out on the game on uh, we got radio.com you know they did just enough to, to survive just enough to save the season for one more week and um you know you know trubisky got the ball into the end zone you know, he didn't turn the ball over, but he also there were also moments where the offense seemed stuck again, especially through that first half. And um, you know, it, it, it's it's hard to be completely you, you, you completely you know, drinking the Kool-Aid for this team, but at the same time it's a team that had went forty two days without a win. And you know, you gotta, you gotta get something. They this was the time they had to do something, or else you you were you were talking about uh three and six team, and there would be absolutely no way that you're on on that uh that playoff board, you know, on Monday night if you if you lose that game last, you know, uh, Sunday night. So the you know, Ryan, in in your words, you know. I say beyond what you put on the in the column yesterday. You know, just what do you think? How do you think Bears fans should feel right now?
1: Well, I think you can be cautiously optimistic uh, because it's more fun to be optimistic than pessimistic. Uh, Bears haven't greatly increased their standing from their loss to the Eagles this week when they beat the Lions. I mean. They were gift-wrapped to win by having Matt Stafford announce a few hours before kickoff that
0: gonna be inactive,
1: and I had said to uh, a, a few people that I was watching the game with, this changes the outlook of the game. I mean, this is now a game you should win, it's essentially a must-win anyways coming into the game, but now you definitely should win because the back of a quarterback and one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and they did enough to get by, uh, as you pointed out, and Mitch, as you pointed out, did a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But there were times where Jeff Driscoll, the backup quarterback of the Lions, looked better than Mitch. And you would think a guy that was drafted last year um, in 2018, a six-round pick that's probably had very limited starts, you would definitely think Mitch, being the second pick in the draft, would uh, be able to really outshine that uh, opposing quarterback or that person specifically. And he did at times. He definitely had one of his best games, his best game of the year. And, uh, you know, he's definitely been better the last month than the first start of the season. I don't know if that's going to translate to more from him. If it does, then maybe there's more reason for optimism. But the defense didn't look great. Uh, I thought that they played solid enough for the victory, but I was expecting more from them. And uh, they just seem like they can't be a league without a team mix, which is really a, a problem because they're going to go up against some really good teams starting uh, probably after Thanksgiving Day with the Lions. We've got Cowboys, Packers, Chiefs, and Vikings. So they've got to get right by that time. And if they can find a way to steal some victories here in November with like, like the Giants and other Thanksgiving Day game where Matt Stafford perhaps may not play with uh, the fractures in his back. So you have a chance to steal a couple victories, and this is definitely a winnable game on Sunday against the Rams. Uh, If they can just find a way to keep getting a little bit better, uh, you know, like I said earlier, when you're on a losing streak, it just seems like bad things kind of define you and come your way, and it's really hard to get out of it. But once you get out of it, Sometimes you can go on a win streak that kind of balances everything back in, almost like baseball, where you go through a hot period, a cold period inevitably going to follow. Maybe you can catch some lightning in a bottle, feel good about your team, everybody's confidence goes up, find a little bit of a formula and an identity that works for you, and suddenly you become a little bit of a dangerous team, because they do have talent, there's no doubt about it, but it just it hasn't come together, and I'm not necessarily holding my breath that it will over this next month. but.
0: They have a chance. Yeah, you know, in a lot of ways, it's it's just about you know uh, they they've sort of mentioned it themselves out of Hollis already winning week, you know, winning going one and zero each week, winning each week, and you know they won they won this past week and they got a lot of the bad mojo out of them out of them with that, you know, you know it, it's it's it was so much negativity, you know. and – you know, I think they didn't handle it well. you know, you can't you can't fault the way that the media or the fans have react reacted to the the way that they played over those four games that they lost. But they didn't handle it well at all, but it seems like they were just begging for something good to happen and that you know, it, it looked like that began to be the case when they found out that Stafford wasn't playing in this game. Cause I, I tell you, if Stafford plays that game, they probably lose it. And, you yeah. know, the fact that he didn't made all made all the difference to me, in my opinion. But, you know, they were able to take advantage of that. And, you know, in a lot of ways when you look at you look at good teams in the NFL, the luck does factor into, you know, into good runs for even the best team. So definitely a team like the Bears, they needed some they needed some good luck. They may took advantage of it. And you no know, this week they gotta do more than rely on luck. I think they gotta they gotta you know, take control of things and you know do more to control the game. And if they could do that and, and fashion out a win, you know, there's no reason why they can't be seven and five after that Thanksgiving game. And I think when you, if you look at it, if this team is seven and five after Thanksgiving, then they have a good chance. They they really did do make a good chance for themselves, even with that tough schedule in December.
1: Well, they'll definitely play a team like the Vikings. They're trailing them by two games. So if you can cut down a game, you have that game in your back pocket that you can go up there win, and that would be for theoretically a wild card spot, assuming the Packers win the division. But like you said, uh, you've got to get to 7-5. you got to win out basically the rest of November, and then you feel at least some hope that it could happen. But uh, one thing I just wanted to kind of maybe counter with the Matt Stafford thing, and I definitely agree with you. I think that they probably win, But I will give the Bears a little bit of room for kind of error, if you will, where you didn't have time to really prepare for Jeff Driscoll. And I'm sure that
0: that's- Sure, sure not a ton in their game planning, even though there
1: was question marks about Stafford playing in the game. Uh, You know, and I don't know what kind of tape is out there on Driscoll overall, but he was very athletic. And sometimes those really athletic guys can throw a wrench. It almost reminded me of Chase Daniel beating the Vikings earlier this year because Trubisky was such a late scratch. I would think that the Bears' defense would play better on Thanksgiving if they played Driscoll again after seeing him and fully – Attentive game plan to him, but there is something wrong with that defense, though. So I don't want to. I don't want to put too much into the. Oh man, it was just circumstance why they didn't play better than they
0: should. Yeah, Driscoll could he he can certainly move better with the ball than Stafford does, but it, it still was frustrating to see, especially in that first half, the way that they were able to move the ball uh, against the against the defense and. You know
1: and even when they kind of stopped them from moving the ball, they kind of let them move the ball again in the fourth quarter. And maybe part of that is because the defense was just out on the field the whole time. Yeah. Three and out, three and out, three and out. But even still, uh, you just would think that, you know, this isn't a vaunted Lions offense, especially without Stafford and with one of their best tackles.
0: Yeah, right. And like, it's like that's why that's why I figured like if you if you let Stafford move the ball on you. Like that, he's gonna get into the end zone. No, but they they let. But unfortunately, fortunately, Driscoll was the guy who was doing, it and he wasn't. He didn't have the, you know, the the equipment uh, uh, that was that would allow him to get himself in the end zone. But you know, it. Like I say that's that's just the way it went down. That's how that game did. And you uh, know, you know, it's it's. Like I say the Bears have something positive now overall to, to build off of, you know, we'll see how and that factors a, in this next game. formula, right? I mean, the defense is going to keep them in games,
1: but that's the kind of offensive output you're going to need if you're going to win games. And probably it still has to be better, but you're going to need to be able to put up 20 points. Maybe you get a short field, but you got to put up points. you got to go on some drives. you got to hit some big plays downfield. If you're not going to do that stuff, it, it doesn't matter what the defense is doing. They're not going to be able to cover up enough. They need a
0: punch from their offense. That's right. That's right. More, more offense is definitely what the Bears need. But uh, as of now, in the division in the NFC North, they're they're out of the basement. You know, the lines are back down there below them. But uh, you know, still looking up at the Packers. All is right in the world. Yeah, at least we got that going for us, you know. And um, still looking up at the Packers and the Vikings though, and, and those two teams this week showed a bit bit more about why they they're going to be dangerous for the remainder of the season. We look at the Packers beating the Panthers 24-16 and the Vikings are taking down the Cowboys 28-24. You know, uh, what 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 impressed you about those wins for those two teams, Ryan? It, you know, I think we look at the we look at the Packers, they, you know, it was a it wasn't there wasn't much that was ideal for them in that game. But they still fought hard, and you know, we look at the Vikings. You know, they they definitely they I think they definitely showed a bit more offensive ingenuity than I think they've shown even in recent weeks. And you know, the you know, the Cowboys are a tough defense, man. That's that's a tough team to to really uh, set the tone against on on any given week. And you know, they uh, you know the Vikings are I think they're a very confident team now and they're they're pretty set in what the you talk about finding a winning formula at you know when they when they lost to the Bears that they, they looked like they were just adrift and they didn't know they weren't sure about anything, you know, they weren't sure about cousins, they weren't sure about the passing game, but at this point now they know what they can do as far as running the ball, as far as passing the ball, and and they they've been going out and doing it week after week and serving them, setting themselves up for a good position as as at least a wild card team and still in the hunt for the division.
1: Yeah, you know, I was impressed by both the Packers and the Vikings. Um, you know, the Packers, especially when you had the snow coming. That's a game that kind of just shifts on you a little bit, especially when the conditions change that dramatically within a game, you know, you have to play almost a different style of football, and when you're so locked into what you've been doing, it can be hard sometimes to make that adjustment, and some teams handle a little bit better than others, I thought both sides, you know, overall did a good job, because that game continues to stay extremely competitive, and Defensively, the Packers are, are better than they've been in a while, and, and I think that that offense should still get better and better. But uh, they're certainly not unflappable. That's a team that you can definitely get after a little bit you know, with the Packers. I haven't seen them struggle this much at home this year, and I have in a while. They, they usually just dominate at home with Air Rodgers and any kind of. Medium to mediocre type teams, and maybe some of the elite teams give them a really big problems. So, I definitely like the Packers, and same thing with the Vikings. I thought they did a great job defensively. They established the run game. Kirk Cousins was solid. The pass game was very, uh, you know, just consistent and brought a punch, and they don't even have their best receiver and had a feeling, so they can seemingly get even better. But just something about Maybe it's the Cowboys and the Panthers that I think that they're okay teams, not great teams. But I thought that both the Vikings and Packers showed that they're going to be solid competitive teams. But I don't know if they're going to be elite when we get to the playoff time. Maybe the Packers because the Bear Rodgers. But uh, I definitely see how the Bears are going to struggle in getting a wild card spot over the Vikings. They're definitely one of the better teams.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It, it's, it's 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 just tough because like they, the Bears, I think they picked the, of they didn't pick a good year to really have that type of dip that they that they've had this year, you know. Because um, you know, I think last year probably would have been better to have this type of start to the season, but this year they uh, you know, they got the you know the Packers and the Vikings both of us, uh, set themselves up for you know at least ten win seasons, so they is just the sort of thing where you have to you just have to play from behind and hope that something happens that uh you know gets you in the mix you know better like I say some some luck as far as the playoff goes does have to happen for the Bears if they want to solidify themselves by the end of the year, but as of now you know the neither the Packers or the Vikings are letting up. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, that stuff plays out in the near future before the Bears can, you know, face out with those teams again in December.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, the NFC by and large, we'll be talking about some of these other uh, divisions. There's just a lot of, you know, if it's not teams that are competing for the playoffs, it's going to be teams that are tough. You know, even that Giants team against the Bears, I mean, Deal with that Giants team since Daniel Jones took over. They could kind of explode on you any given week with that guy maybe throwing some quality touchdown passes and that defense, even though it's pretty bad, and maybe get a few turnovers or a bunch of takeaways. Like you said, the, the luck factor I mean, the Bears are not going to have any game on their schedule. They're just going to have more winnable games versus games that they can't win.
0: Yeah, well, we we both know how Danny Dimes gets down, uh, uh at least a, at least occasionally. At least
1: against New York.
0: <laughs> yes, and against you in fantasy. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's
0: true. Three oh eight for four touchdowns for Daniel Jones. We we move over to the NFC East now, and the Giants, uh, though they they lost though they lost to those Jets in the Battle of New York, thirty four to twenty seven. And Jones still found some ways to turn over the ball. On, the, I know he had that one fumble where the ball got s- stripped away from him in the pocket. Like, no, they he, he still got some issues there in New York with the Giants. But you no, know, the Jets. I think the Jets benefited too from from the luck of the Wu Tang. I don't know if you saw the picture of the of the four Wu Tang members all in Jets gear, but I think that was definitely. That was definitely uh, you know, Raekwon, Inspector Deck, uh, Master Killer, and and Method Man. No yeah. The giants
1: didn't have a chance.
0: Oh yeah, they. they you can't stand up against that type of stuff, man. That's the woo When the woo comes through, you you gotta back up, man. I'm
1: with
0: that. Yeah, but uh. <laughs> Maybe
1: they start wearing bears uniforms. How do we tell them about
0: that? Oh, I love man. I love them. Get the woo in some bears joints, man. We would that would be exactly the type you look good
1: of good in orange and blue, yeah, orange and
0: navy. Yeah, man, that would that be exactly the type of momentum we would need. <laughs>
1: we'll get it right at the start of December. Playoff run, baby.
0: Yeah, yeah. But uh, looking at the rest of the NFC East, like I said, uh, you know the Cowboys took that loss to the Vikings, and um, let's see, um, Washington. Yeah, Boston was off this week, uh, and and uh, as were the Eagles. So, yeah, though, so that was only half the division in action there. And um, yeah, you had two L's. So, really, nothing good <laughs> to report for the East this no. week.
1: Yeah, pretty much uh, the worst bad is those Giants to me, just because that was more winnable game than the Cowboys. Even though the Cowboys are at home, but I guess so were the Giants. To yeah. Play in New Jersey. And uh, I'm sure there was more Giants fans than Jets fans, unless uh, maybe there wasn't. Maybe it was free. But anyway, yeah.
0: they like uh, said there was the there was more qu- think- there was more quali- quantity, but the quality was there for the Jets. Like I said, speaking of the Woo. Gotcha. gotcha.
1: Uh, with the Cowboys, you know, their team that I think has been overhyped a little bit. They can definitely have a good game, but they go up against a team that can kind of shut down their run game, it feels like Dak can only do so much, not just kind of take over and dominate a game. So you've got to have that balance, and that defense is solid, but they don't really force a ton of turnovers, and I don't see them forcing a ton of sacks. I mean, they do get after the quarterback, and they do stop the run, but it just seems like they're just not – Super explosive, as, not like that 49ers defense we saw yesterday. And arguably, both sides have considerable talent on that side of the ball. But for whatever reason, it just feels like Dallas is maybe a, a solid, a good, maybe elite. But I feel like they're just missing.
0: Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. That they, them, they, they, they could hold you to a solid around three touchdowns a game but you know they don't really hold you to less than that you know and, and they and they you know if their guys aren't scoring if their guys aren't really going then you know they're they're pretty easy to beat you know not easy but there's a way to beat them and you know yeah
1: it seems like they have to play a very specific style of game if that gets interrupted it's very difficult for them to win
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's yeah, let's not not to spend too much time on the east. Let's go to the west. Uh, excuse me, the south to finish out the, the NFC. A big upset in in that Falcons Saints game, 26-9 Atlanta beating the Saints in New Orleans. And um, elsewhere, uh, we said earlier the Cardinals uh lost to the Buccaneers, so a win for the Buccaneers, nice win for them. And uh you know they definitely needed, but uh, yeah, that's and uh, the uh, Panthers of course had the loss in Green Bay, so uh, you no, know, pretty uh, I say two wins and two losses in the South. We had the one game, of course, really that, you know, the Panthers definitely played at a notable game and didn't, you know, didn't come up with the the type of uh ground shifting win that they could have if they beat Green Bay and if they had beat Green Bay in Green Bay. But uh you no know, Kyle Allen did show himself to be pretty competitive again. McCaffrey uh put up some numbers as well and they pretty much did all that they could do. But uh no, I think the big story out of the South definitely is even if it doesn't really affect much, I would say, you no, know, but the Atlanta, like I told you guys last week, that's a real rivalry. And, I, and this it's the type of game where it looks like, you know, you got the best of Atlanta, and and you got you got it pretty much because of how much they hate New Orleans, and they came through and really ran them
1: down. Yeah, boy, I I couldn't believe watching that game. I mean, there was a point in that second half where literally three or four guys on that Atlanta defensive line were no longer blockable by the Saints. It was almost like a rule was put into place that those four guys are allowed to go after Drew Brees when he drops back
0: unabated to the quarterback or whatever. <laughs> so it was it was impressive
1: to see what Atlanta did. And it's funny how the two bottom teams in the division got wins while the two top teams got losses. Certainly the worst is the Saints. That's a bad L for them. They really got a they really have an opportunity this weekend coming into that game where you think, man, if Seattle wins that game, you know, we have the tie break over Seattle. We would be at a tie at the NFC and we could get home field advantage. And you know how much they want to play in that Superdome, especially in the playoffs. And that was, that should have been an easy victory for them. Watching the 49ers lose thinking, man, if we just played perfect the rest of the way out, we're going to be home field no matter what. We control our destiny. Yeah. So, I don't know what happened with New Orleans. They must have overlooked this opponent completely thinking they got it, which is, as you pointed out, crazy because these games have always been awfully competitive and awfully tight no matter how good your side is because there's a genuine rivalry between these two teams and these fan bases. So, uh, interesting to see what will happen in the South moving forward. I mean, certainly New Orleans is going to probably win that division crazy happened. Carolina would have definitely made it more interesting had they won, but Carolina just seems like a team that that they might be a playoff team, but that'll just be because they just don't make as many mistakes as some of the other teams fighting for the playoffs because their ceiling is pretty low.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. One thing uh, before we move on, just looking at this Saints game, you know, Breeze threw 32 of 45 for 287. He didn't and he didn't throw a touchdown. And like these were some weird stats because he threw he connected with Michael Thomas 13 times for 152 yards. He connected with Jared Cook for another 74 yards or six receptions. And Kamar with eight eight receptions. But no end like that's definitely give credit for Atlanta on just doing that, keeping Drew Brees with 45 attempts out of the end zone. That's that's a heck of a thing to see. But I think when you look at that, too, that took away from the run game. They only ran four times with Kamara, five times with Latavius Murray. That's like Bears stuff from a month ago. Like, you got to rely more. Especially when you had two gifted runners like that. You should be relying more on that run attack. And, there's, and that's one thing that we've seen this year. That you know, balanced offenses are winning out here. They're they're, you know, and you know, even New Orleans proved that much when Teddy Bridgewater was under the under the center. So you know, you, you hopefully Breeze isn't getting his uh, you know, ego ahead of him, and you know, you no, know, maybe Peyton too. Like they got to figure, they got to figure coming out of this game that like we got to do more with our run game week to week, and you know, not. You know they may have been they may have been throwing you know because Atlanta did jump out to a a lead in the first half, so maybe that played a part in the way that they were throwing the ball. But you know you got to have you got to have more faith in your guys in the backfield than what they showed this week. And I think if they did, maybe they would have played a more competitive game. Yeah, I definitely
1: think that something happened. Whether and I was surprised even. Game was pretty close, and it just felt like the Falcons were getting stronger and stronger and stronger while the Saints were getting weaker and weaker. And I don't know if maybe Sean David saw that from his offensive line and felt, I'm not going to run it. I don't want him to be in third and long." But whatever it was, I- I'm with you. Just, there wasn't enough explosion at all out of the Saints, which is really surprising. They always seemingly have a way to get the ball downfield with Drew Brees. And they couldn't do any of that. They couldn't get the screen game going. They couldn't get the run game going. And, you know, when that offense is so broken down, it puts a lot of pressure on that pick-up against an Atlanta team where, man, it was the opposite. Was Matt Ryan throwing that thing around to everybody. I mean, running the football and running it effectively. And Julio Jones making big-time receptions and clutch moments. I mean, it was – Probably everything that Falcons fans were hoping
0: for and thinking, man, where has this been all year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be. They really should be a much more interesting or dangerous team, you know, than than they showed to be. Yeah, yeah, but man, I I say they at least they took the heads off of uh, New Orleans for one game, so Atlanta has that going for them, but. uh, uh, this is the All 32 Podcast. Kyle Means, Ryan Bukowski, giving you the best recap of the NFL week after week. And, um, yeah, that's it for the NFC. But uh, we're going to wrap things up with a look at the AFC results coming up right after this. Right. Okay. back at it closing out our uh, 32 recaps this week week t- uh, 10 of the NFL season and uh getting you guys geared up for week 11 on um, the turnaround but uh you know we went we went out to uh we went through the NFC a lot of big games in the NFC uh, this week but uh not you no know, not a bad week for the AFC either, even though you had uh, you know, the the Patriots were off this week, but that sort of throws things off a little bit when they're not in action. But uh you still had a couple of big games. uh, you know, the the Ravens showed out again, uh, among others. But uh, you know, we'll get to those soon. Let's we'll start off like we did in the NFC in the West. Let's start off in the AFC. West as well and the AFC West is where week 10 really did start chronologically back uh, on uh, last Thursday with that tight uh, Raiders Chargers game that you know, we spoke about it as a you know a, a great week of nationally televised games this week and uh, you know that like I said, that's that kicked it off 26-24 win for the Raiders that was a really a back and forth affair that saw the Raiders jump out to a lead and they were getting, you know, getting turnovers, forcing turnovers of, uh, you know, Phillip Rivers. But, you know, the Chargers, uh, give them the credit, you know, they they got back in the game and took control at some points. But in the end, uh, they weren't able to uh, control the ball as well as they would like. And they were, you know, again, uh, turnovers sort of hurt them. And some, you know, undisciplined play. By both sides, you know, uh, sort of, you know, uh, you know, sort of uh, was a theme in this one, but it was also a lot of good play too, uh, you know, athletic play on the offensive sides, and you know, there's, is, is, I think both of those teams coming out of that game have reasons to feel like they still have a chance, at least a little bit of an outside chance in the wild card, at least the Raiders actually you know, given what happened to the Chiefs later in the weekend, are still, you know, surprisingly in the AFC West uh, division hunt. And, uh, you know, that that game, of course, that, you know, brought the Chiefs back down closer to the Raiders' level was that 35-32 loss in uh, Tennessee and Nashville. uh, uh, One of the more shocking results of the year, especially given that the Chiefs, Welcome back, Patrick Mahomes. This uh, this past weekend, and they you know they scored. They put up numbers like they usually do with him, but their defense uh, really showed itself to be, uh, you know, a, a negative this week. This you know this week against the Titans, who is a team that you know you don't normally see them score thirty five points. So that was a big win there for the Titans. And uh, you know, like I say, it, it mixes things up a little bit more in the AFC West with the Chiefs. And uh, you know, finishing off that division, you have the uh, uh, the Broncos, which uh, was another team that was off this week. So one of the, another one of the teams that was off. So that was it for the West. And I guess, like I said, the main story, Ryan, is like I said, the Chiefs lost and the Raiders win. You know, what do you make of the West, given the fact that you had the the big upset there, and the Raiders were able to uh, get that sort of boost that you know them and the Chargers were sort of in you know both up in the air for for those teams going into that Thursday game.
1: Yeah, well, I would say, Kyle, with the Chargers, they uh, you know, they still got a shot at that wild card because of the AFC, but I think that their divisional hopes kind of ended with that loss to the Raiders. I mean, things can happen, you know, obviously an injury, or maybe with the chief, this Chiefs team suddenly takes a nosedive, and this division's pretty winnable. But I think that that game really hurt their their divisional chances and now it's all about the wild card as for the Raiders since they were able to win that game I think that they are now in the position where they can still kind of have an outside shot at the division especially if the Chiefs have a few more slip-ups like they did on Sunday against the Titans and uh, at worst case scenario for the Raiders they got to be looked at as one of the top uh, wild card teams at least contending or in their position at this current junction Sure, a lot can change, and we'll see uh, if the Raiders can handle some of the pressure that's coming their way because teams are going to certainly be aware of what they've been doing, especially after that showcase against the Chargers. So, I think uh, it, the West right now looks pretty winnable, but I expect it to eventually land in the Chiefs' favor. But certainly, you know, you have a few upsets like the Chiefs did, and they've already had some trouble. Obviously with Mahomes going down and they weren't like Penny Bridgewater and the Saints completely perfect. So they can't afford to lose uh too many games because maybe the Raiders could come in and steal that one. But definitely I think the Chargers are
0: out of the divisional race. Yeah, pretty much. And you know, I think what I what I definitely wanna see now coming out of that week out of this past weekend is I wanna see the Raiders and the Chiefs. And you know just how that goes. You know, uh, looking at the division, looking at the standings, is something that really stands out to me is the home and away records with this division. The Raiders are four and one at home, and the Chiefs are four and one at, uh, in away game. You know, they're two and three at Arrowhead, which is really shocking. And you know, that's and the Raiders are one and three. In their away games, so really these are two teams that I guess in the in the home games too with the Raiders, uh, one of those was the London game. So you know they're they're technically three and one in open, but they're four and one in home games on the season. But uh, you know the Raiders have held held their home field down, so there's a very good chance that we may get a split in that series. And, you know, who knows what, what effect that's going to have on the tiebreakers going forward if, you know, uh, if the Raiders somehow, you know, maybe tie or, or keep themselves close with, uh, with Kansas City.
1: Yeah, I think when you look at the, the Raiders, they're probably a little bit more complete as a team than the Chiefs, but the Chiefs have just this landslide of offensive potential when Patrick Mahomes, Tariq Hill, Travis Kelsey, maybe even LaShawn McCoy, and some of these guys that are the supplements to those players, when they're really rolling, do the Raiders have enough? And I don't think so. But if the Chiefs aren't rolling, you know, that defense is very susceptible. And this Raiders defense, you know, they'll at least put up a fight and they'll compete against you. And that Raiders offense is playing smart football. So, if they have an outside shot i will give them that it, but it's all dependent on the chiefs i guess lack of ability or lack of consistency because again if the chiefs are just sort of hit or miss offensively that leaves a huge opening for the Raiders to maybe come in and swoop uh, that uh, the whole division potentially
0: and i tell you man you know the the titans probably didn't you probably didn't have the the blueprint blueprint but they may have showed a way that, uh, you know, the Raiders could at least copy in regards to contending with the Chiefs when you look at their game this past week. You know, Mahomes went off. He went crazy with his numbers. And and, and Kansas City scored a lot. But the Titans were able to run the ball, you know, 188 yards with Derrick Henry. And, uh, you know, they got a couple of, you know, they controlled the ball with Tannehill was 13 and 19 and had two touchdowns that no one accepts. And Derek uh, Carr has been one of the uh, you know, one of the best completion percentages in the league this year, and he hasn't been turning over the ball. So if they can do those those basic things on offense, control the clock, control the ball on the ground, which they can do with with their guy, uh, uh Jacobs from uh, you know, the, the rookie. And you know, just you know, uh, keep a. I, I guess you know, just try to keep pace with with the scoring of Kansas City. Those could be some interesting games coming up between. Them. And they and they may not be, like I say they those. You can't really call them, uh, uh, you know, easy wins for Kansas City right now because, like, we don't know what to expect as much from them week to week as. we as we thought we did at the beginning of the year.
1: Yeah, you know, that defense is a total wild card, and the offense isn't humming like, is, like it was a season ago. And then you look at that team that they played, the Titans, you know, we keep talking about the Titans as being this mediocre kind of whatever team, but I wonder if a big part of that is because of how much they had at quarterback and seemingly Ryan Tannehill has come in and really so, sort of solidified that position for them, and now they can kind of run their game plan of a heavy-run offense, and they play solid defense. It, it's interesting how quickly things can change because suddenly it looks like a team like the Titans that maybe was kind of dead in the water, you know, they can compete with a lot of teams if they play their style of football.
0: Well, the Titans now are 5-5. Five and five. And uh, you know, let's let's go over to the south. And you know, you look at that division. You have a four and five Jaguars team at the bottom of the division. Titans are five and five. Colts are five and four, and and the Texans are six and three. So you had the Texans. uh, You know, looking at the results this week, of course, the Titans won. The the Colts took the lost, took, took the loss to the Dolphins, which is, you know, embarrassing in, in multiple ways there. And um, you know, the uh the other two teams, uh the the uh, Texas and Jaguars, you know, took byes after playing in London last week. So you you have you have four teams there that are actually all in better places to uh no, they're still in, all in play for the for the postseason. You know, they have they have more people in play than the North. Who only has, right now is two teams with winning records. The West has two teams with winning records, and uh, you know the, the East has two teams with winning records. So the South can still have a lot to say when it comes to the uh, the AFC postseason and how that shapes up. And the Colts, you know, taking the Taking a hard hit with with Jacoby Brissett, they were you know got to a great start with him, but now he's he's hurting a little bit, and they they are relying on that third string guy coming into the season at least. that was a second of course, and Hoyer, you know the Texans seem to be the most stable team right now, but they're a team that you know doesn't get much from their defense right now. You know they're 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 much like. Kansas City in the way that they have a dynamic quarterback and an offense that you have to reckon with every week, but they're not going to do much to contain other teams. So you know, if you're the Titans, a team with a little bit of deep, know, a little bit of defense, low key, and again, you know, a veteran quarterback in Tannehill, not the 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 most explosive guy, but a guy who can maybe do enough to can to control the ball and, you know, manage that, do that game, classic game management stuff, Uh, you know, the Titans could, you know, again, and I don't think they have anyone that they need to fear in their division, and that could, uh, you know, that could mean a lot going forward.
1: Yeah, that division uh, continues to be probably the most interesting division overall in the AFC because you have kind of that, team in the Texans with that star power potential with Deshaun Watson you have this really interesting mix in Indianapolis with Jacoby Brissett and sort of that Kansas City offense with a, a really nasty kind of like trenches mindset then you've got the Titans that are kind of similar to that and then even from there you have the Jaguars who again kind of fashion that mold of, of, of really smash mouth football so you got a lot of even teams and a lot of similar styles, but you also have the star power. And really, this thing is still pretty wide open because I don't think that there's been a ton of divisional games overall between uh, a lot of these teams. So there's still going to be a few games that really decide who's going to have the advantage here. And I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of those divisions where – You know, the last week of the season, they keep that game automatically open for Sunday night because they want to get in a game where it matters the most. Usually they try to go for a game where it's kind of win or go home, where it matters for both sides, not just one. And I wouldn't be surprised if that AFC South is one of those type games where it's like, man, we got to showcase this one because it's either win or go home or maybe win or lose the division.
0: Yeah, looking at this coming week, the uh, you know, you're talking about the, the intra division games. We got one this week with Jaguars and Colts in Indianapolis. The Texans have a nice battle with uh Baltimore in Baltimore on Sunday. So that's they they're gonna be a that's gonna be a good test for them. And uh looks like the Titans are on the bye. So uh let's see. How uh, you know the Texans can pick up a win this week? That's going to say a lot for them as a contender. And uh, you know the Jaguars could really disrupt things for the Colts if they they have a they knock them off this week. But, you know, Hoyer Hoyer just doesn't look like a guy who's going to be the long term answer there. If they 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 really probably need to get Brissett back in that in that mix there. Uh, so. We'll see how we'll see how that goes. Yeah, but, uh,
1: it, it's going to be interesting with that quarterback position because I think the Colts are maybe the favorite to win that division, but definitely if percent is not playing somewhat soon.
0: Yeah, they got. I, I mean, that's the only way they could maintain any favors, I think is if Perse is playing. Boya threw three inches last week. You can't beat the Dolphins at home that's that's not a division winner at all. Right. So, so. Exactly. So, let's move over to the north. And um the north, you know, definitely the big story that of this week, the Ravens 49-13 over the Bengals. You know, nothing, really nothing uh <laughs> it, really nothing to go beyond there outside of uh, you know, the magic of of Jackson and uh, you know, he had the big spin move that everybody that wowed everybody. In Boy, the way, did he! Yeah, man, he's he's playing the ball, he's playing the game like it's just a full court basketball game at times. Man, you know, I wouldn't cool. even
1: take it a step further. He's playing like we're in three D PlayStation Four video game style.
0: Yeah, I, I I would love to see who's controlling him. Man. It's, yeah, it's,
1: yeah, God's crazy. got the handles on those. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the Ravens, you know, say looking stronger week to week, and you know, the I, you know some I don't know how many you didn't really hear too much people giving them undercutting them saying, well, you know, beat the Bengals. Of course, they beat the Bengals, you know, but I think more of the focus has been on Lamar Jackson, rightfully, and you know, the Ravens are, are just they're they're in the middle of things. I think after their win the week the week before against uh, New England, that bought them a lot more benefit of the doubt. You know, and they're probably as, as hot a team, you got to say, as any in the league right now. And when you look at this week coming up, another potential showdown with him and, uh, and Deshaun Watson in Houston, another chance for them to really uh, shine light on what makes them good. And what makes them a dangerous competitive team in the AFC?
1: Yeah, and I'm going to be very curious with that Texans Baltimore game because one thing that I'm just I want to see a little bit more of from the Ravens is what happens when you're playing a good team and you're down maybe a score or a couple scores and you have to sort of, sort of start becoming predictable where you're throwing the football consistently because time's an issue. And I, I think Lamar can handle that. I certainly don't expect him to wilt under that kind of scenario. But that was one thing that he couldn't do in that playoff game against the Chargers when they came out and really caught fire. He couldn't really keep up with that and did kind of make somewhat of a comeback. But uh, you want to see a quarterback that not only can front run, but come from behind if need be. And we got to see, I think, a little bit more of that from Lamar Jackson, this is going to be a good test because I think Deshaun Watson has shown that he's going to play really well pretty much week after week. He might have a downer here or there, but he's he's hitting a level of consistency where it's going to make sense that they're going to give him a big contract at the end of the season. So if he comes into that uh, matchup with Baltimore and is able to go up a couple scores in that fourth quarter, I'm going to be very curious to see how Lamar Jackson uh, works his team back into the game.
0: Definitely, definitely. A lot of lots to watch there. I think on both sides when you look at those the great young quarterbacks. And uh, you know, looking looking elsewhere in the in the north, Browns of course picked up a big win uh, with the Bills, nineteen sixteen. Uh, you know, Browns beating a team, a winning team. They were fortunate enough to be at home and take advantage of that. But the Browns, you know. Much like the Bears we talked about earlier, just really try to keep themselves alive right now after a very disappointing first half of the season. You know, I don't know if, if anything specifically that jumps out of that, Brian. Uh, you know, as far as them making, you know, a, a, a making a pushback or make you know, making them making themselves more seem more of a competitor. Than they were going into the game. You know, we know with some of the faults with the Bills, like they're not a particularly explosive offensive team. So, you know, matching them up against a talent, a team that we know has offensive talent, like, uh, you know, like Cleveland makes a difference. And this would seem to be a game where, again, they still didn't make use of all of their talents. You know, Odell Beckham jumping out and, again, you know, not making the end zone, not being a, an impact guy in the red zone. But, you know, Jarvis Landry did his thing, Nick Chubb, and, you know, Mayfield didn't turn the ball over. So they pretty much did what they – again, you know, much like the Bears, they did what they needed to do to win that particular game. But, you know, how impressive is it – how how impressive are they coming out of the game? You know, that's got to be a point.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, they just got back to maybe – somewhat of a, you know, the ship is sinking, right? It's coming in, it's coming in, and then maybe you get the pumps going or you plug the hole a little bit, and suddenly it's like, okay, we can just float here for a little bit and for the time being. And it's really this Thursday coming up against the Steelers because the Steelers have definitely shown, hey, if they're not going to be a wildcard team, they're going to be in it all the way until the end of the season. So they're not going anywhere. They're going to play really smart, really solid football. They're going to do a lot of, of their run game, especially when they get James Conner back. Mason Rudolph can handle putting up some points on the board. And as long as that defense plays stellar, and Mike Tomlin's no uh, stranger to defense. So if they can play great, they're going to be right there. Cleveland, you have had a really tough first half of the but that was by design. When the schedule makers came out and everyone saw it, everyone pointed the same thing. Those first half of the season is going to be really tough. But the next half should be pretty manageable and pretty easy. So you can really eat up a lot of wins. Coming into this matchup, especially after a Big Ben went down, you would think that this would be an easy one. But a of how hot the Steelers have been of late, it's going to be a real challenge for Cleveland. If they can overcome this opponent and get back to a four and six mark, I think that they're at a lot better position and maybe maybe like how the Bears are, they're in somewhat playoff contention.
0: But yeah, we talked a bit about the, the Steelers and the Rams uh, you know, earlier when we were talking about the Rams and the NFC West. And of course the Steelers picked up the the win there, continuing their win streak. And this Thursday, as you alluded to, um, you know, they got the, the Thursday night game, and they're going to uh, they are host uh, they're at, the, at the Browns in Cleveland, so probably going to be a, a pretty rowdy game. You know, the old Steelers-Browns rivalry, not always the most uh, balanced rivalry, but, you know, definitely two teams that know each other well and that want to compete well against each other. And of course you got, you know, both teams wanting to you know, on some level wanting to make statements. The Steelers want to continue what they're doing and continue to show that they're in a good place. And the Browns, of course, week to week want to uh keep themselves in the in contention on, on some some level. So that's should will be a pretty another pretty interesting Thursday night game.
1: Yeah, I think uh you know, it's a must-win for both teams, and those are always really good backdrops for these Thursday night games because there's already kind of the, the air of wild card and randomness with, uh, you know, it, it depends how beat up these teams are coming into the game and all kinds of other little factors. But no doubt about it. Uh, you know, the playoff hopes for both teams, I think, rest in this game. Uh, the loser comes out really uh, hurt with their chances of making it to any kind of wild card or winning the division.
0: Well, you got got to figure, though, the Steelers have a little bit more room to breathe at this point.
1: Definitely, but I think that the only thing with them is you drop this game, you get back to 500. Are they going to have the type of firepower and overall uh, just competency to win out, at least for the wild card, they're probably good, but for the division, I think they're going to really struggle to catch up to the Ravens. And even with the the wild card division, you don't want to leave it up to chance when you got teams like the Raiders and some of these other AFC South teams that are right on the cusp.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I I wasn't thinking about the division for either one of those teams, and you know, I think you, you got to see something happen with Baltimore really slipping back to uh, to you know think that Pittsburgh may have a chance at that. But but definitely, yeah, with the with the wild card. I think the Steelers, given the month that they've had, are in as good a position as as the Raiders and as uh, you know the Colts and and uh, the Titans right now. You know those teams that are all you know just over five hundred. So this it's a you know this would be a nice win for them though. I think you know I I, I agree with you. They definitely you know they definitely uh, the Steelers as well as the Browns are going to play with a little bit of urgency. You know, the Steelers should want to play with some urgency if they want to, you know, make their position a bit more solid.
1: Yeah, and I just think, uh, you know, especially when they lost their game to the Colts, or I'm sorry, uh, they ended up winning that game, so they do have the tie break on them. You know, it's just, it's about the overall for the Steelers, I think, just continuing this wave of emotion because... They can kind of be feast or famine. We saw that earlier in the year. Maybe they've gotten over some things, and certainly that trade with Mika Fitzpatrick. But they're a team that I think is kind of limited in some aspects. I, I, I don't think that they can win in a, a bunch of varieties. They can win in sort of a specific manner, and they've done a great job of controlling games to be played out in the way that they want it to be played. But this is a game with the with the Browns with their offensive firepower. If they can click and get things going, you know the Steelers absolutely do not want to be in any type of shootout.
0: Yeah, the Steelers went ugly, and I think one uh one way of looking at that is we look at points for and points against the Ravens. Uh, you know clearly a a competitive team. They had three hundred points, you know, four and one hundred eighty nine against. Where the Steelers have 193 points for and 181 points against this year, so they're playing in close games week to week. You know whether they win or not. And uh, you know they, you know, but but they have been winning. You know, the Ravens are on a five-game winning streak. The Steelers are on a four-game winning streak. So you know they they there's something going there, and you know let's we'll see if they keep going Thursday night.
1: Yeah, and, it, you know, the Steelers, they're in a great position. They get to control their own destiny, and it, that's going to be the fun part about really around the league. Uh, a lot of teams have a chance to control their destiny, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot more upsets before we end the year.
0: Yeah, and uh, one team that, you know, took an upset this week, you know, arguably, and then has, you know, because of that, has less control over their uh their fate is the bills you know as we go over to the east in our final division this week you know the bills took the loss in, in cleveland they're 6 and 3 now a good good record overall i you know we love it. the the bears with 6 and 3 but you know it's a tenuous spot when you look at it the fact that you know you got a, a few teams in the afc chucking right up behind them who are winning games and you know the Bills, you know, like I say, just took that loss, and they're still they they really more any team have to feel like you know we gotta we we, we gotta settle for the wild card because the Patriots are the Patriots, and even if they somehow beat them in their second game with the Patriots, you know, you gotta figure that New England's gonna have some other uh, some other uh, tiebreaker you know, afforded to them, you know, probably the division record or the conference record at least. So the Bills really, you know, they gotta you gotta figure it's a disappointing loss for them in Cleveland. And uh, you know, given that the Patriots were, were off this week, that's really the most, you know, the most important thing in regards to the playoff. But uh, although, you know, you can sit you consider the Dolphins beating a playoff team, uh, a potential playoff team and the Colts, definitely making an impact there. Uh, so you had that, you had that game, and uh, the Jets round out the results this week. You know, with their win over the Giants, would really, you know, then uh, make any difference one way or the other in either the conference. But you know, uh, you know what were your thoughts on uh, the East coming out of this week, and uh, you know, I guess, like I said, the Bills, where they stand, and everything right now.
1: Yeah, really disappointing for the Bills. And, you know, they should be, as a team, should take under the philosophy and kind of the thought process of, you know, we just got to go out there and win each week because, you know, we're probably not going to win the division. But, and the AFC is very winnable from the wildcard spot and they have control. Just go out there and win. Don't even worry about the standings. Don't worry about anything that has to do with playoffs because if they win, Majority of their games, they're probably going to be a wild card team, and they're going to be where you know they would have hoped to be. Because even if the division has a chance to be won for them, it's still going to be extremely difficult, and they're going to have to beat New England, and that's never going to be an easy task, especially when the division's on the line. So uh, for the Bills, they're uh, another one of those just teams that are very solid. They can't get into any type of shootout because then they just don't have. The firepower to do so. If they get that run game going, they can really control the game and let their defense kind of be the difference maker. So it'll be fun to see what they do the rest of the year, but a really tough loss because a win there propels them maybe to a point where they can't really be caught by anybody else unless somebody's just smoking hot the last month and a half of the season. And uh, now that they drop that game, they're just kind of sort of shakily ahead of the other wild card contenders.
0: And you want to look at how weird the East Division is this year, or at least at the moment. The The only team with any winning streak in the AFC East is the Dolphins. They have a two-game winning streak, and they host the You'll Bills. This
1: week. We say that at all this year.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they host the Bills this week, so it's, I mean, can we completely take that out of the, the realm of, of possibility, you know, if they beat the Bills this week, that's going to – that that's like – that sends you right into the dumps if you're Buffalo.
1: And, uh, Kyle, I watched that game in Buffalo when the Dolphins came in to, uh, to play the Bills, and that came down definitely to the fourth quarter and probably midway to late fourth quarter. So, it wasn't any type of blowout by the Bills they come into this game somewhat flat. The Dolphins will definitely have a shot to pick up their third win.
0: Yeah, the Bills don't really have it in them to blow out anyone. You know, they have a, a, a they have a point differential of plus 24 for the entire season. 174 points for, 150 against. They have a, you know, a solid defense, but with with Josh Allen and, you know, a lot of youth on that offense, they don't, they just don't score a lot. And, uh, you know, I, w- I would definitely, you know, look, at, you know, maybe maybe I'll put this in, in the spread uh, talk on the big sessions. but that probably would be a game, you know, I haven't looked at the line yet, but that probably be a good game to go with the Dolphins. I, I think I, I sort of gave up on them a few weeks back, but that might not be a bad game to go with the Dolphins as far as, uh you know, the the Bills should probably be the favorite, but as far as a, you know, if you want to go with an underdog, that might not be a bad underdog to go with this week.
1: Yeah, depending on that spread for sure, and maybe even with the over/under as well. Uh, yeah, the Bills—they're yeah. just like the Steelers. You know, they're just a team that has to play kind of that old-school, traditional. Let's keep things into third and short, and go on sustained drives, and let our defense and special teams game and that can be tough if a team like let's say the browns they're able to move the football around through the air it puts a lot of pressure on the entire team because you don't really have a counterpunch to that you don't have a guy that can just go down the field at will uh, you know any given moment or at least have a receiver or running back that can get down the field given any type of touch and the bills are probably going to be a playoff team as long as they just play solid football but man, this AFC is turning into a real hodgepodge of teams, and it's going to be fun, especially in the month of December where a lot of games are going to have a lot of meaning across the league.
0: Yeah, and when you look at the Patriots, for the most part, they got to go outside the division to get challenges. And uh, I think this week is going to be a pretty interesting challenge for them, you know, playing at Philadelphia. So you're going to have two teams – uh, coming off buys rested, and um, you know the the Eagles, of course, are in that in that crazy NFC East, so they're going to be you know one to come one to come back and you know get get a win and make you know they could it makes up makes a a, a more impactful win too, given that the Cowboys lost this past week, so you know. Before before we head out, what do you think about that matchup right quick? Should be one of the, the more high-profile games in this uh, week 11.
1: Well, definitely if you're the Eagles, you really want this game. I don't know if you necessarily need it because the Cowboys keep giving them opportunities to, to stay alive in the division. So not necessarily a must win for either side, but if you're the Eagles, you really, really want this game and maybe try to get ahead of the Cowboys in the East Division don't want to play around with the NFC Wild Card. It's the exact opposite of the AFC. And for the Patriots, you know, they rarely seem to lose two games in a row. It, it seems rare when they have gone a three-week span, including a bye in there where they haven't won a game. So I would expect uh, them to come out with some fury and have a punch. And they really didn't look too good against Baltimore. I would think that in another kind of showcase game that they're going to want to to really uh,
0: showcase what they have. Uh, Otherwise, we might be talking about a little bit of trouble for New England. Yep. Yeah. And I think in the end, you know, guarding against that will probably keep the Pats from losing. But I wouldn't, I'm rooting and and I wouldn't, you know, be surprised if that's a a pretty competitive game out there in Philly. Uh, That's going to be at 325. Our time here in Chicago on Sunday, so that's definitely going to be one to keep up with. Yeah, know. I definitely
1: think that that game should be pretty entertaining, and maybe, uh, maybe can even edge out the Ravens in Texas.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that probably is the highest potential for fireworks, definitely. And uh, yeah, looking at looking at the rest of the, the early schedule, we get here in Chicago to just sit back and look at those games. Uh, this week because we got the the Sunday night game, you know. Uh, yeah, the Cowboys and Lions would be probably of in some interest as well. And uh, you know, well, uh, yeah, maybe the uh, uh Chiefs and Vikings is on Monday. Yeah, pretty much those would be the probably the main games I think I'll pay attention to this week: Cowboys and Lions, Texans Ravens, and uh, Patriots Eagles. You know, Leave that to Sunday night.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely should be another good slate of primetime games. And hey, what do you know? We get the Bears in front.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, definitely coming up this. Uh, you should be able to hear that this Friday or or Saturday at the latest. The next Bear Necessities with me and Ryan will go further in depth. Into the uh, the the Bears and Rams game, previewing that. Uh, do some more headlines as well. We our headlines this week will probably only be the uh, the big story for the Tribune, the big in-depth report about how the Bears came to draft Mitch Bisky. That's uh really done a lot of setting off of the media and fans here in Chicago this week. But uh, definitely was a great report and uh, needed a uh, report to provide some perspective into just why the hell the Bears made that decision. But uh, we'll talk more about that. And uh, like I said, definitely preview the big game Sunday night, uh, Bears and Rams. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for this All 32. Thanks again for riding with us out there, y'all. We are keep, uh Keep checking up with us. You know, we got uh, more for you every day, you know, getting back into basketball stuff, more, more on that side, as well as our football coverage that uh, Ryan keeps hitting us off with. It's so lovely. And, um, yeah, just uh, more great stuff here on on War on Anchor as well, keeping uh, developing new things, uh, new podcasts and features and stuff day uh, to day and week to week. So, uh, if you like what we're doing. Keep, uh, you know, rating us high on your podcast platforms. You know, uh, recommend us to a friend who likes sports stuff, like Chicago stuff. Uh, you know, spread the word and show us love, and we'll definitely show it right back. But uh, for now, uh, this is uh, Kyle Means, Editorial Director, signing off. My man, Ryan. Uh, you know, anything else you got to say, Ryan?
1: Uh, You know gonna be interested to see a really a, a full slate of Sunday games ending with the Bears, and uh, it'll be fun. Light uh, emphasis on fun talking about that Tribune article tomorrow.
0: Yeah, yeah, hope, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get to see some good games and see some things maybe get interest, get interesting and open up a little more for the Bears, you know, to make a possible real impact. In that game uh, on Sunday night, so yeah, we'll see uh, see how it goes down. But uh, for now, like I said that's that's Ryan on the line. I'm Kyle. we signing off, and I'll keep building, y'all, and stay positive out there. Talk to you.